I wonder if you've ever felt helpless. I remember when I was a younger lad going bodyboarding and uh, getting dumped by a huge wave. I'm sure that's happened to a few of us here. And uh, for those seconds that you're tumbling around under the water, you feel pretty helpless. And it can get pretty wild if you go uh, a second time uh, over because another wave comes just as you've sort of managed to reorientate. You think, is this uh, the end or am I going to get my head back above the water? In the very worst of circumstances, though it's never happened to me, thank thankfully, uh, you sometimes can get yourself, uh, if you're out on the surf, in a situation where you, you can't get out of it yourself. And if you've ever watched the show Bondi Rescue, uh, you'll know that happens on quite, with quite some regularity uh, on some of our beaches in Sydney. Uh, and you, you can get in real trouble and you'll need a fellow surfer or swimmer to, or, or the lifeguard to come and pull you out of your predicament. I think it's not just when we go swimming uh, in the surf that we can find ourselves in a helpless situation, is it? Of course, it can happen to us over and over again. In fact, I think the feeling of being out of your depth uh, and completely helpless and in need of someone or something to come and uh, get you out of the mess is extremely common. And I think it's becoming more common. And I think... A lot of the reasons for that is because of this identity crisis that we have in the modern West. We feel helpless and it's acutely felt because we're told you are the source of all knowledge, wisdom and power and identity making. And if it's not working out, then of course you're going to feel helpless because only you can be you. And so when things slightly veer off kilter, when things don't go the way we had planned, when we can't control our circumstances, we find ourselves in despair, feeling helpless, moments away from some kind of impending doom. But the good news is, of course, that that's the perfect place for us to be when it comes to encountering God. We need not fear when we feel helpless because just like if we were swimming at Bondi Beach, we have a lifesaver. And we'll come to that in a moment. But for those uh, new or visiting or who've forgotten, uh, we're in the middle of a, a short series briefly considering the question, who am I? How do we think about our identity? And what I'm trying to suggest to us is that our Christian faith gives us extremely life-giving and helpful answers to the question of who am I? And what we're doing in this series is not necessarily answering the question, who am I, Chris Bowditch, as uh, different to who are you, um, Joe Bloggs, next to me, not what makes us different about our identity, but, but who am I at the very deepest of levels, things that are common to all of us uh, as human beings, where, where if you like building the very base rocks of the foundation of our identity as uh, human beings. And on top of that, we can then start thinking about giftedness and characteristics and these sorts of things. 
But so far, we've been looking first at the, 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 one of the key things when it comes to considering who we are as human beings, which is that we are reflections of God. That is, we are made in God's image. Remember that? We read from Genesis 1 and we saw Genesis 1, 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And as we, as we looked and dove into that passage and thought about what the scriptures teach us about our image-bearing nature, we saw that it means that as human beings, God made us on purpose. He made us with purpose to be in relationship with him, to speak with him, and then as we relate to him, to exercise his, uh, our dominion under his rule and reign in this world that he has made. But of course we saw we managed to stuff that up. Yes, we're made in God's image. Yes, we're made for relationship with him. Yes, we're made to rule over the earth under him, to increase and multiply, but it's all out of whack. Our, uh, everything has been ruined, ruined by sin. And now everything and everyone lives under the curse of sin. Our image-bearing nature remains, but our relationship with God, it's broken. Our relationship with others, broken. Our relationship with the world, broken. Instead of ruling over the world under God, we make ourselves God. And because of that, God has cursed the world and our work is hard and things are difficult. Paul outlines how we uh, still live with this problem of sin in the second part of our, or in the sort of middle part of our reading today. We still live with the problem of sin, he says. Verse 12 of our reading today, Therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. As we draw near to the end of another year, I don't need to tell you that the world is in a bad way, that sin is real. Paul's words ring so true to me in Romans 8, a few chapters later, where he says this in Romans 8.22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. You only need one scroll of your social media feeds, one cursory flick of the paper to see war, anti-Semitism, the breakdown of polite civil society even in Australia. And of course I don't need to remind you about other things like personal things, like the way people have let you down and have hurt you and have caused you deep grief, sorrow, anguish and pain, or the way that your work has been disappointing and hard and difficult, or the way that you have failed to live up to the own, your own expectations that you set for yourself, the way you constantly are in a battle to try and do the things that you don't want to do but you do do them, you can go and read about Paul's battle in Romans 7 with that sort of thing. If you're anything like me, you're only too aware of sin. 
especially the sin of others, that's easy. But of course, actually, if you think long enough and hard enough and humbly enough, your own sin too. How does it make you feel? Perhaps a little anxious, overwhelmed, helpless? Well, this week comes the hope. This week, we want to think about how we find solution to the horrible mess we find ourselves in and what that teaches us about who we are, how we find our lifesaver in the, in the midst of the storm of the sin of the ocean crashing over us again and again and again, how we be the people God has made us to be. Now, I wonder how you would go about trying to be the person God has made you to be. If you read Genesis 1 and you thought, I want to live up to the kind of image-bearing, relationship-building, uh, dominion-having kind of person that God's made me to be, what might you do? I think that an answer that many of us reach for either consciously or subconsciously is that we're going to do it ourselves. We're going to try harder. We're going to try and do more good than bad. We're going to, if you like, swim against the waves and the currents ourselves. Well, how will that work? I want to suggest that trying harder is a losing game. Trying harder to be the person we were created to be on our own, uh, it, just, it just doesn't work out. play the game, we have to know, first of all, uh, the value of what good and bad is. That is, if we're going to try and be more good than we are bad, then we have to be able to kind of account for the value of good and bad things, if this makes sense. Let me give you an example. Let's say that I defraud you of thousands of dollars, and that's my sin, one of my sins. But let's call this my presenting sin for, this, for the purpose of this. I wonder if you could tell me what the appropriate amount of good work that I would need to do to overcome that uh, crime might be. To overcome the breach of trust, the greed, the dishonesty, the self-centeredness and the pride that has led me to steal from you. And there probably could have been other things going on as well apart from those things. I want to suggest that even if I decided to pay all the money back to you twice over that I defrauded from you, it's possible that that still doesn't unpick all of the pain and damage that has come, or does it really necessarily deal with all of the underlying things going on in my heart that led to me committing that sin in the first place? And let me tell you that if I've stolen from you, and let's say it literally was me and I'm your minister... Even if I pay it back, the brokenness and the pain and the relationship breakdown, how, how do I do enough good to fix that? And then even if I, we could figure it out, how I was going to overcome the bad thing that I'd done, well, that might be all well and good for fixing my fraud problem, but what about how are we going to fix the war in Israel or the Ukraine? 
What are we going to do about that? How are we going to work hard as individuals to fix that problem? Not just the bad stuff that you and I do, or others do to us, but the groans of creation. What about the famines and the fires and the floods? How are we going to overcome those things? It seems like if we're going to take the we'll fix it ourselves uh, road, then the best answer our world seems to offer is go to a protest and get the government to do it. But that doesn't really solve anything at all, does it? Let me go back to that beach analogy I used at the start. When you're at the beach and you get yourself in trouble, even if you're a good swimmer, as you get tired, as you get weighed down by the waves, as you find the current too strong, even a good swimmer needs saving. The best technique cannot overcome the problems in the end. You can swim and you can swim and you can swim and it doesn't matter how good you are, that deep and dastardly ocean will still get you. There is something simply more wrong with you, with the world, than just you've done some bad stuff. So trying harder is an exhausting route to be the kind of people we want, that God wants us to be. If we want to live our lives authentically as we were created to be, and if we want to rescue ourselves from the mess that we're in, we need something more. We need something more than trying harder. We need something bigger than a, a good government and a large protest march. To deal with the mess we find ourselves in, we need to be rescued. We need someone else to come and deal with the problems that lie at the heart of it all, the problem of sin. We need God to rescue us, and that's what he's done in Jesus. He, Paul goes on to describe this in Romans 5, verses 6 and 8. You can have a look at it if you've got your Bibles open. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See the answer there to why trying harder doesn't work, don't you? Because we're powerless to overcome it, as I've tried to illustrate. Yet when we find ourselves in the mess of sin, powerless to do anything about it, when we're ungodly, when we're sinners, God sent his son Jesus into the mess. God has gone above and beyond when it comes to his salvation mission. We weren't even good. We were sinners. We were ungodly. We were powerless. And yet Jesus died for us. And we gain access to Christ's death for us, this payment of sin, through faith. Skip back to the start of the reading, verses 1 and 2. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith 
into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Our faith in Jesus, his death, which pays the price to deal with the root cause, to deal with sin, restores relationship. It brings peace with God. It justifies us. That's Paul's way of saying the broken relationship is mended. And this comes not through good work, not through trying hard, not through waving at God and saying, look at me, can, 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 you, can, can I have a relationship with you, please? It comes because God breaks into our mess and sends his son Jesus to save us. It's a gift, and it's a gift we need because the problem's deeper than us. That's what the second half of that reading we had today is about. If Adam stuffed everything up thanks to a tree in the garden, then Jesus made it all right again thanks to a tree in a garden. Romans 5 verse 17, For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. It's a remarkable thing that Jesus has done. He's come into our broken world, full of people messing everything up in their sin, and he's paid the price, and he's opened the door for us to be who we were made to be. The remarkable thing about what Jesus has done is that if we believe in him through faith, then we read we've been rescued. Rescued from the mess we're in, rescued from sin and restored to right relationship with our maker, with God the Father. And in Christ, we become the people we were created to be. We become someone who's in relationship with God. We become someone who lives under his rule and reign and is able to be his spirit-empowered ambassador to the world. We become, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. We're made new. No longer a ruined reflection, but a rescued recreation. A person who can take to heart the promises of Scripture for those who trust in Jesus Christ. You were made for so much more than you experience in the brokenness of this world. But in Christ, wow, you're so much more than you could ever have imagined. And let me tell you, at this point, I just have to cherry pick from the treasure trove of scriptures in the New Testament that speak wonderful words of truth over who we are in Christ. But I've gone with 1 Peter 2.9 because I think it's marvellous when you think of what we were Powerless, broken, ungodly. And Jesus breaks into that world. He dies on the cross. He pays the price for our sins. And now you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are God's special possession. 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You're part of God's family. You've been chosen by him. You've been made holy for him. You're people of hope. As Paul says in our reading today in Romans 5.2, through Jesus we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. What a remarkable thing Jesus has done for us. What a remarkable answer we can give to the question of who we are. We're a saved people and we get to live out our identity as people in Christ. Part of God's family, chosen by him, made holy for him, a people who can declare great hope in a world still reeling under the pain of the curse of sin. So, as we live our lives in this messy world, let me ask you this. If life in this world is a little like swimming in the ocean, and if sin has made that task impossible for us to do successfully, have you given up trying to get out of the mess yourself and put your hand up and ask for help. Faith in Jesus is like the person we see on Bondi Rescue who's floundering around in the ocean and finally says to themselves, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. And then they have to humble themselves and stick up their hand. And when they do that, Bang! The lifesavers go to work. Faith in Jesus is like putting up your hand in the ocean. It's admitting you can't do it on your own and it's turning to him, trusting him to pick you up and to make you to be the person you were created to be, to make you a sinner saved by grace and a sinner who can declare the hope of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Who am I? You are in Christ. You are a new creation. You are special and you are saved and you can now be who God made you to be for all eternity, as we'll see next week. Amen. Amen.